This is The Guardian. Today, the Home Secretary at war with her party, the police and pro-Palestine marches. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since the latest war in Gaza started, with a terrible attack by Hamas on October 7, every weekend, tens of thousands of people have filled the streets of the UK in the biggest anti-war movement since Iraq 20 years ago. And tomorrow, Armistice Day, they're planning to demonstrate again. And the UK's Home Secretary, Suella Bravman, has been looking for ways to stop them. Well, first of all, let me explain what we've seen over the last few weekends. We've seen now tens of thousands of people take to the streets following the massacre of Jewish people, the single largest loss of Jewish life since the Holocaust, chanting for the erasure of Israel from the map. To my mind, there's only one way to describe those marches. They are hate marches. But Braverman has hit a hurdle, the law. London's police commissioner, Sir Mark Rowley, says legally there's nothing to justify a ban on people marching for Palestine. More political pressure on the Met police commissioner after he refuses to ban pro-Palestinian marches on Armistice Day. He has said that he can ensure that we safeguard remembrance for the country this weekend as well as keep the public safe. Now, my job is to hold him accountable for that and we've asked the police for information on how they will ensure that this happens. Protesters say they're following the law and they're going to make sure their voices are heard even if the government doesn't want them to. That's kind of the point. It looks like a story about freedom of speech and whether people have the right to protest. But scratch the surface and it looks like something else might be going on. That as much as being a story about Israel and Gaza, it's also a story about the Tories and who wants to lead them. From The Guardian, I'm Michael Safi. Today in Focus, the protests, the police and the Home Secretary. Daniel Boffy, you're The Guardian's chief reporter. Since October the 7th, there have been weekly demonstrations in the UK in support of Palestinians in Gaza. What have those demonstrations been like? I mean, with huge numbers coming out. The police say about 100,000 on each occasion. Really very, very large numbers. For the organisers, the Palestine Solidarity Campaign, the day was a huge success. According to them, bigger than last week's protest by 100,000 marchers. I mean, it's a kind of a throbbing sea of people with flags and banners and and all the rest of it. We will never let you die! Gaza, Gaza, don't you cry! We will never let you die! Gaza, Gaza, don't you cry! 
really, honestly, a huge variety of people of different backgrounds. And not just in London, you can, they've been across the country. And it's not just marches either. They've been holding events. Last weekend, it wasn't about marches, it was static events. For the police, relief. Only a few arrests and no serious trouble. Despite what you might see in some media, very peaceful. There have been very few arrests around the marches. It's thought this was the biggest ever pro-Palestinian march in the UK. For any such public order event, remarkable there was so little trouble. David, why are you here today? Well, to free Palestine. I mean, the occupation is completely wrong. Everybody knows the whole history about Palestine. Children are being killed, you know, women... Elderly, everyone's being killed. They can't defend themselves. It's just completely heartbreaking. I'm Palestinian from Gaza. All my immediate family lives in Gaza. And I'm here to support my people, to oppose the Israeli um, occupation, settler colonialism in Palestine. How do you feel being here today? Emotional, sad, distraught, um, but somewhat encouraged by the number of people here who are also showing solidarity and calling loudly for the ceasefire. When you come for a place like this for a protest, you know, it's a sense of belonging. It just gives you some comfort. Otherwise, you're at home by yourself, watching the news and just crying. It's so upsetting. I'm not coping. I have a nervous breakdown every day. I'm panicking constantly about my family. I've already lost two people I intimately know. And the only thing that is keeping me going is the steadfastness and resilience of my family and 2.3 million people in Gaza. We cannot be desperate. We cannot fall into despair if they aren't. If they are saying free Palestine, if they're still able to like stand against the Israeli brutality, um, then we should keep going and we should fight and we should protest and we should mobilize and we should not be silenced. It's literally just been people calling for a ceasefire and talking about the conditions in Gaza and just saying that um, there is no military solution to this. Stop bombing Gaza! Stop bombing Gaza! Some of the language that is used by some of the marches, for example, the idea of, you know, from the river to, to the, the sea. Yeah. Now that's that is problematic. There's no doubt about it. Groups with a genocidal intent have used that language, and so you've got to ask yourself, if you're repeating that language, is it appropriate? Because it has been co-opted by those with horrible, murderous thoughts and beliefs. But I don't think many people in that crowd would be using those words in anything other than to say that the rights of all people in this stretch of land need to be appreciated and, and respected. The chant that seemed to crystallise the debate, jihad, a word that means different things to different people, from struggle to holy war. For some government ministers, it was a step too far. To the police, it wasn't a crime. Certainly there are some unseemly elements who have sort of splintered off and there have been photographs and footage of people saying and doing awful things. But that kind of does come with a lot of these highly political marches. After a meeting with the Home Secretary, Britain's top cop didn't appear to have changed his view. I was explaining how we are absolutely ruthless 
in tackling anybody who puts their foot over the legal line. We're accountable for law. We can't enforce taste or decency, but we can enforce the law. Dan, what is it that protesters are planning to do tomorrow? So the, the plan is to do a procession, as they have done on most Saturdays. And they told the police some weeks ago that they recognised that it would be inappropriate for them to march close to the cenotaph, where there's a small event on the Saturday, obviously a much bigger event on the Sunday, Remembrance Sunday, in commemoration of those who've died in conflict, particularly since the First World War. And so they said, we'll change our route. We won't go via Parliament. We'll go from Marble Arch, the top of Hyde Park, down to Nine Elms, where the US Embassy is. So the protest would end at the US Embassy, and that's where they would do their major protest. So they've taken those sensitivities around Armistice Day into account? Yeah, they absolutely had, and and the police were informed well in advance, and there didn't seem to be any problem with that. The problem arose when government ministers decided to uh, well, to, to some, might, some might say, to try and play a little culture war with it. The Metropolitan Police Commissioner, Sir Mark Rowley, has been under growing pressure to prohibit any demonstration over the armistice weekend. The Home Secretary, Suella Braverman, among a number of cabinet ministers who've argued there must be a real risk of breakaway groups from a protest on Saturday, targeting the Cenotaph as the country honours its war dead. So we had, just sort of a week and a half ago, we had ministers saying, oh, we're concerned about this protest being taking, pl- taking place on Armistice Day. It's a moment when we remember those we lost. And I think for the whole country, the Cenotaph is sacred ground. And uh, the idea that on a day like Remembrance Day, you'd have a protest going past it, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think that's acceptable. And that's why I've written... Then it sort of ramped up into kind of, oh, it's provocative and disrespectful. And then you had Bravman um, talking about hate marches. The Home Secretary has tweeted, the hate marches need to understand that decent British people have had enough of these displays of thuggish intimidation and extremism. And how widely shared is Bravman's view on this, that the protests are hate marches and all that? I don't think it's shared at all. Are they hate marches? Look, I mean, there is no doubt there are elements on these marches that I'm afraid uh, are espousing hate, whether it's... um, from the river to the sea but you know equally there will be those people who are there expressing their anguish at some of the untold suffering that the cabinet ministers don't like to criticize each other but every cabinet minister who's been asked whether they agree with Braverman has demurred and say no <laughs> no they don't the home secretary calls them hate marches and you very clearly don't call them hate marches you say there are some who are hateful there but to others perfectly legitimate that that it, it, that seems to be more than confusion at the heart of government no it's it's not confusion i think that's um it's an issue of semantics the home secretary and it's not just Bravman who's sort of pushing for a, a ban calling for a ban has been a government line behind the scenes although they talk about operational independence of the met I mean, does the government do the police have the power to ban a protest and on what conditions can they do that they can only ban a march. They can't ban a static assembly, which is one of the weird mm. quirks. And so if you're standing still, you're okay. You're all right. Yeah, yeah, you're fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they can put conditions on your still standing. You know where you're doing it, and in how many numbers and stuff like that, and timings and stuff like that. But they can't ban it. They can only ban a march, and that does require intelligence and grounds to show that conditions, applying conditions on a march, would not solve the problem. That there is still a risk of serious public disorder. The problem for Sir Mark Rowley is that the law is pretty tight about banning a march. You can only ban a march using something called Section 13 of the 1986 Public Order Act. 
if applying conditions under a different section, section 12, would not sort of solve the problem of there being potential for serious public disorder. Now, in previous protests and marches, they've imposed conditions under section 12. They've, what they've said is that those who are on the march cannot diverge from the agreed route. Now, that has worked fine. You've had the odd occasion where some have diverged from the, re- the agreed route, and those people have been dealt with. I mean, haven't actually been many arrests, but they have been dealt with. And if the government's problem and the police's problem is groups splintering off, go down to the cenotaph, away from the roots, and cause problems, clash with the far right or whoever, well, the Section 12 conditions that you've imposed on previous processions and you pose on this one will solves that problem so you can't really justify you've got to come up with a new justification for section 13 for banning and thus far so mark rowley is saying those conditions don't exist yeah i mean we thought it all felt and certainly the home office felt that it was going towards a ban because on uh, monday evening rowley is talking about you know risk of violence and he's talking he's appealing to the organizers to postpone the event and stuff it felt like a, a sort of step on to step two being a ban, and the Home Office Bravo certainly felt that. The Metropolitan Police has asked the organisers of a pro-Palestinian rally scheduled to take place this Saturday on Armistice Day to consider postponing the event. So she was absolutely livid the following day, Tuesday, when Rowley said, actually, we haven't met the threshold. It's not there. They haven't got the intelligence. They haven't got the, the grounds to ban. You know, I can't act outside the law. The Met Police Commissioner has said the force will do everything it can to ensure Armistice Day events in London on Saturday are not disrupted, after saying there were no grounds to ban a pro-Palestinian demonstration. Sir Mark Rowley said there was not enough evidence that there was a risk of serious disorder. And he spoke up about the independence of the force, he spoke up about rule of law, and that has irritated the government no end. The Home Secretary, Suella Braverman, has accused the Metropolitan Police of having favourites after the Forces Commissioner, Sir Mark Rowley, resisted calls to block pro-Palestinian demonstrations from taking place in London this weekend. Writing in The Times, Ms Braverman said such protests were largely ignored by officers compared with the treatment of right-wing groups. And were you surprised that Rowley came out with this statement during the week, pushing back so hard against the Home Secretary? Well, I think that he had two problems. One, there were no grounds for a ban. And if he acted outside the law, he'd get judicial reviewed. Challenged in court. And that'd be reversed and be very embarrassing for him. And I think the second problem is that, um, well, the Conservatives aren't going to be there for very much longer, Mm. likely. His term only started a year ago. It's a five-year term. Does he really want to go into bed with Suella Bravo? I'm not entirely convinced. So I think there's not a lot to lose to be just pushing back against, against her. He's thinking job security. I don't know. I don't want to put, you know, I, I can't see into his soul. But um, oh, I can see, you know, playing a sort of rational player, I can see that there's no particular advantage in going on a limb for Suella Braverman. Dan, how often is this an issue that we see the government and the police debating over whether to ban a protest movement? How often does this happen? Well, you don't really don't have many bans at all. In terms of Section 13, it's been used a couple of handful of times. One of the sort of slightly disturbing thing about this is there's very little data transparency around bans and conditions on, on protests. What we do know is there's a freedom of information request sort of in 2014, which showed there'd been about 10, 11 bans recorded since 2010, I think it was. And it's usually been far right groups. So this sort of ban doesn't happen. And certainly on the scale of this protest, such a ban would be, it would be unparalleled. So Dan, Is this final? 
is this protest going to be legal or, or is there a possibility that Braverman could override this decision somehow and issue a ban anyway? Not really. There is a power under Section 14 of the Police Act where she could say, uh, this police force is ineffective, so I'm stepping in and, and, and override. But that's just not going to happen. That said, the decision is absolutely not final. Rowley has said that he will continue to, to look uh, at how things develop. And unfortunately, there are groups on the far right. We have Tommy Robinson. We have football hooligans in, in closed groups talking about um, meeting up on Saturday. Uh, Tommy Robinson, by the way, tweeted that um, your country needs you on Saturday. Yeah, to, chilling. To, yeah, it is. It's pretty horrible stuff. And we've got a horrible group called the Patriarch Alliance who are kind of self-styled migrant hunters. They go from hotel to hotel harassing refugees and, and migrants in hotels. And they, they've made a call for people to mobilise. So absolutely should not give these groups more power than, than they have. These are a very small number of people who attribute themselves to these horrible organisations. Whether they can mobilise enough people to cause a problem or sort of more pertinently in, in this case to alarm the police and make them think there is a serious risk disruption i'm not i'm not convinced but you know we'll, we'll see we don't know what's going to happen next couple of days it seems to me that there was a world where this protest could have gone ahead peacefully as it has largely been over the past few weeks and it wouldn't have become this national culture war but that's not where we are because we've been led to this point by the government yeah it feels incredibly cynical um maybe i am incredibly cynical but with this one it really does feel like we've been led by the nose you know really for the last week and a half just sort of gently they've introduced this as a problem and then you know by introducing it as a problem they've created a problem for those outside britain they might not know but anyone in britain the big day on remembrance weekend there's remembrance sunday where all the big wigs the prime minister's past and present, members of the Commonwealth, huge crowds, the army, they're all around the cenotaph um, near Parliament. That's at 11am on Sunday, Remembrance Sunday. Armistice Day is on the 11th of November, which is when, you know, 11th, 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 which is when the First World War ended. It's a moment where, at 11am, where people take a two-minute silence I mean, in your offices or at home or whatever, but it's it's not a, a point where there's a there's a big event or anything to for the protest to disturb. There's the Lord's Mayor's show on Saturday, but I don't think that's what they're thinking about. Coming up, what's Suella Braverman up to? What's her plan? Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. 
It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus. Dan, Suella Braverman has spent weeks attacking these protesters. She started attacking police when they said that they wouldn't ban the protests. On Thursday, she wrote an opinion piece that wasn't even approved by Number 10, in which she accused the police of bias towards the left and said that these rallies give primacy to Islamists. Why do you think she's doing all of this? What's her strategy? Look, Rishi Sunak's not going to be Prime Minister for very much longer if you believe the polls, so there'll be a Conservative leadership election. Mm. And Suella Braverman would want to be the standout right-wing figure in, in that. And this sort of stuff plays well to the base. You know, the government as, as, a, as a whole has not gone as far as Braverman in sort of talking about hate marches and the rest of it. But why would they want to make a big deal out of it? Labour has some real problems on the issue of Gaza and, and Israel. Keeping that as a political hot topic and um, possibly creating dividing lines um, with Labour on on the protests is kind of it's something they would want to do for electoral reasons with a, a general election either next year or 2025. They're playing with intense emotions here on all sides. When you talk to people in Westminster, do you pick up on any uneasiness that, that if the government is playing politics here, they're doing it with something pretty dangerous? Yeah, I think there are a lot of people in the Conservative Party who are a little bit despairing. I think there is a lot of unease on, on the Conservative benches. If you sort of monitor the media, it's always the same voices, the same people who are coming out with this stuff, you know, the, the, the Braverman stuff. The vast majority of Conservative MPs aren't stupid. <laughs> well, yeah. This is a really difficult time in the world. It requires governments to behave with sensitivity, to handle people's deep feelings very delicately. Looking back on the week and the way this has been handled, what do you think it tells us about the UK in this moment? It feels like we're in a bit of trouble, really. It doesn't feel like we've got the right people shepherding us through this crisis at the moment. I say that with all the polls suggest that most of the country now feels the same about that. You know, whatever issue, um, it doesn't feel that this government at the moment is working really for the interests of its citizens. It feels like it's working for the interests of its electoral appeal um, or to its base. Um, it feels a bit scary, really, because these are issues that can explode and the, the, you, you don't know what the, the consequences of, of this sort of behaviour will be. Mm, playing politics with people's deepest and sincerest held beliefs. Yeah, you've got to hope they know what they're doing, but, you know. Do you reckon they do? <laughs> you, fear, you fear they don't. Dan, thanks very much. Thank you. And that was Dan Boffey, who's The Guardian's chief reporter. Our coverage of the protests tomorrow will be at theguardian.com. 
And that is it for today. This episode was produced by Lucy Hoff and Sammy Kent. Sound design was by Solomon King. The executive producer was Phil Maynard. And we'll be back on Monday. This is The Guardian. <laughs> 